Hey, Dog Speak Geeks. Do you ever feel frustrated? Well, your dog does. Frustration occurs when an animal is interrupted in reaching their goals. Unfortunately, this occurs all too often in the modern world when a dog's goals do not align with those of their human companion. This can be a source of distress for both you and your dog, but it can also lead to the development of problem behaviors and can damage the relationship that you have with your dog. But we have answers for you. Join us for a two-day in-person seminar October 5th and 6th with instruction by Daniel Shaw. Daniel Shaw is an animal behaviorist with a background in animal behavior, psychology, and neuroscience. He will be talking about what frustration is and how it can be identified, the difficulty of conventional approaches in resolving frustration, what influences the value of rewards, as well as supporting frustrated dogs and building frustration tolerance. You can buy early bird tickets now until August the 5th, and be sure that you join us for our pre-seminar social Friday evening where you can meet Daniel and the Dog Speak team. We look forward to seeing you October 5th and 6th in Nashville, Tennessee for the Neuroscience of Resolving Frustration in Dogs seminar. What's up, Dog Speak Geeks? Don't hate us. I know. I'm sorry. It was supposed to be It was supposed to be one episode, but look, I just thought that I I couldn't stop that conversation because I just thought it was, it was just too good. And we are recording this back to back. You're just not going to get it back to back. We are recording this back to back. The conversation was just so good. I didn't want to lose that because if we don't have the owners on board, we're going to struggle. And so that one was really all about humans mm-hmm. and what they need to be doing even though we didn't finish the actual foundation we did talk about empathy which is the final kind of skill you need for foundation we are really going to get into more actionable items <laughs> i think that's what everybody wants it's like okay cool cool. i know but i, but you I have can to have understand why we're doing this. i can have all these concepts i can support i can have empathy but what do I do? I know, I know, I know that that's what you want. But for me, I feel like if you understand like, the reasoning, I want homework. But if you understand the reasoning, you're more than likely going to follow through. Oh, for sure, right? If you no, don't understand the reasoning, you're probably not going to follow through. And I think that's why I spend so much time with the reasoning behind why I want people doing what I ask them to do. Mm-hmm. Because if you if you know why, you're more willing to do it. Because I don't give people just BS rules. I'm not going to be like, hey, just, I need you to do this because, well, that's what we've been doing for years. No, I really want you to understand why I'm asking you to do these things. We're going to jump right in. Let's do it. Obviously, right? All right, actionable items other than what we talked about with foundation as far as setting up a safe space. Things that we're going to be able to do with the dog specifically to help Um, just build some confidence up, you know, teach some coping skills, truly, and some uh, self-regulation and co-regulation. Now, humans, owners, you're still going to be a part of this conversation. This is, your job is not done. 
even though we talked about what you needed to do, there's still a lot of things that we need to do. All right. Um, can I just say, yes, if this is your first episode with us, don't go. No, no, no. You go need back. to go back. <laughs> we don't usually just. We just jumped right in. We don't this usually one. We just don't normally jump in. right in like this. But so. I didn't mean to make trauma five episodes or five, five weeks. Why not? Five My parts. therapist has made it five years. So <laughs> now did the therapist make it five years or did you make it five years? Because you didn't do what you were told. <clears throat> okay, look. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. That's all I'm saying. It's not her fault is all I'm going to say. Bingo. So stop (laughs) blaming me when your dog's not better if you ain't doing the work. I got the knowledge and I can teach you, but I have to count on you guys to do this work. I don't live with your dog. Right? The therapist, a therapist can't will you into doing what they ask you to do. And hopefully they don't live with you. Amen to that. Myers is like, he's got a lot to say about this right now. Mm-hmm. He's having a little fit. He is, woof, in his crate for quiet time. Obviously, y'all can see how quiet time it is. He's struggling. We may have to pause here for a moment and see what's happening here. There's someone outside. Cause okay, but how does he know they're outside when he is in the back room? Because he knows a lot. I don't he's know if so you know this. smart. I don't know if you know about this about your dog. His nose is on point and i'm sure isabella jumped up on the couch which he could see oh he could see because the door's closed and she doors open yeah she doesn't usually react myers that's enough no isabella does not typically respond at all let's see if he can calm himself down if not we'll have to pause and i'll have to go do something and this is part of that kind of support for him you can hear he's kind of he's struggling but he's he's managing he's Bringing it down a little bit. The tone has changed a little bit. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm listening for. And sometimes right? he starts like the, the grumbling yes. instead of the barking. And you know he's... As he starts to decompress. Yep, he's starting to manage himself. Like, regulate. Yep. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think parents, like of infants, go through this where there's a... There's probably a fine line, right, between comforting and helping to teach regulation. Yes. Yes. Um, obviously science is coming out and saying letting them cry it out is not the way to go. And we used to do that with dogs in the crate. Exactly. I used to teach it. Yep. But at the same time, they're at a point you have to start, you know, helping them yes. learn to regulate their emotions. Because if you, and- if you leave, so let's use a dog for an example on that. If I leave a dog and they're barking in the crate because they want out, one, I have, to, I have to question, have I not made the crate positive enough? Mm-hmm. Have I not made it a safe place? But also, at the same time, I go, okay, if I allow this dog to just to bark it out, I'm not teaching them how to regulate their emotion. I'm just allowing them to practice this behavior that is way off scale. Mm-hmm. And that's why I say I have, I have changed so much over these years in how I do things because I understand more of what is really happening inside the brain and the emotions of a dog. Now, granted, there are times, and this is a part of knowing your dog, acknowledging barking, ignoring barking, and interrupting barking. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's like um, there was one that uh, question we had about, well, when do you not 
you know, if you're interrupting barking or giving them something else to do while they're barking, are you not rewarding the bark? And I think that that is a, that's not a black and white answer. I think it's going to depend a lot on the motivation behind the bark. It's going to depend on the situation, your history mm-hmm. of the dog. If I have, if Myers is looking at me and barking at me, that's not necessarily trauma for him. That could just be, I want your attention. And I've caught him a few times barking at something and then looking at me. To see if you notice. To see if I would talk to him, right? <laughs> So it's, I think it's a lot, there's no black and white. There's a lot of gray and you have to know your dog. Yeah. And, and that's sitting with your dog, just bonding, right? Really getting to know your dog. Mm-hmm. It's just like, I can look at you and know kind of what you're thinking because I've, I've just been with you, mm-hmm. right? You know me very well. And I think we need to do that for our dogs. We need to learn them as much as we learn about other people in our life. Mm-hmm. Now, when we get into dealing with the trauma, management is going to be a part of everything. You cannot deal with trauma, aggression, fear, anxiety. You can't deal with any of that without management. And management means protecting your dog, not putting in putting them in those situations, right? Um, not allowing them to stay in those situations. It, it's almost like... You need to put them into a bubble, but not forever. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's, so there's this school of thought of desensitization. You did good. That was good. <laughs> did I? Sorry. I, I say desensitization, but it's totally up to you. Either People way. say it different ways in different places. Uh, I'm just glad I got it halfway right. Uh, so that's not, flooding is not good. That's not good. Right? No, yeah. Flooding is I, when they cannot. Mostly, I just want this for myself. I want to hear. Absolutely. <laughs> flooding, flooding is flooding, flooding is, is terrible. <laughs> you don't take a human, you don't take an introvert to a party of 300 people and make them stay there in order to make them be okay being with 300 people. You can't do that at that because you're in shutdown mode. Once flooding kicks in, shutdown mode happens, learned helplessness happens. They can't escape. They can't deal with it. They can't manage. So many people think that to deal with fear and anxiety. Well, I don't think that you desensitize. I don't think that's an introvert thing. So let's no, 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 no. I'm just. I was just using an example. Let's say um, someone with social anxiety. Yeah, I was just using an example. Let's say someone with social anxiety. The more they're out in public, doesn't make them better. Right. That's not how that works. Correct. No. Right. I think there are times for desensitization. When it's not based in extreme fear and trauma, mm-hmm. you know, if I'm a little nervous about the dump truck, okay, but you're not like shutting down or trying to escape or like losing your bladder when the dump truck comes by, we could probably do a little desensitization, maybe even some counter conditioning. Got some treats. Some Got some treats. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make some positives. But trauma... It's about changing the way the brain functions and the network, mm-hmm. how the network is functioning. That's what we have to deal with with trauma. It's not as simple as desensitization or counter conditioning it, it, and just exposure, right? And people take, they think, okay, I'll just expose them in small amounts. That's desensitization. It, it's not going to work when you're dealing with trauma well, because, because the, as, soon as, the, as soon as the brain sees trauma, it's going to default Mm-hmm. into how it's handled trauma in the past. You've, you've already lost it. 
Yeah. I mean, because trauma literally rewires the brain. Yep. Like the neuropathways are rewired. You can't just overload them and expect it to, I mean. To make a new path. Right. I mean, it probably will, but probably. Not the path you want. It's not going to turn the other way dog's like i can't get away from this that i'm gonna turn around and bite you because you're handling the leash and now we have redirected aggression Uh i can't get away you're making me stay here i'm gonna turn around and start biting the leash or i'm gonna start biting you because that's that's the only other choice you've left Mm me Uh and you think about leash biting i see a lot of leash biting could that be out of trauma could it be just frustration i think that when you're dealing with something like leash biting frustration is typically the root to leash biting but or i think that you'll see a lot in it's trauma it's a puppy whoopee oh, who just wants to chew who just on wants everything. to chew on things i mean i just think it's we can't all oh, automatically but, say that way, was trauma please don't snap the leash if it's in your puppy's mouth okay no sorry i just i i saw a video because you got me down this mm-hmm. rabbit hole of aversive trainers and this person does not claim to be an aversive trainer but it was a puppy i mean puppy puppy and it was biting the leash playfully, and they snapped the leash, and it freaked me out. I was like, what are you doing? Like, snap the leash is in a correction? Yeah. Like, to get it out of its mouth. So, it basically, the leash, it was like an Indiana Jones whip. Oh, shit. And it hit it in the face. Oh, because no. It, it's holding the leash in its oh, mouth. Oh, no. And so, the remainder of the leash. Oh, no. When you snap it, it smacks it in the nose. Oh, no. Don't do that. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Yeah, don't do that. Like, don't if it's puppy, just take it out of its mouth <laughs> and give it something else. Sorry. Jeez. That's a, apparently a common thing. There you go. Management. You cannot teach a dog to feel safe. Mm. I'm mm-hmm. going to let you sit that. Mm-hmm. Just sit there with that for a second because you're like, oh, mm-hmm. right? We can't teach anybody to feel safe. It's, it's, not, a, it's not an external <sighs> behavior that you're teaching. Yep. You can see a dog sitting there, and, and I've, I've seen this on Instagram, where people are like, this dog was afraid of this, and now look at them. They're sitting there not moving, when in actuality, they're shut down, their back is turned, they've given up trying to escape this thing, and they think they're comfortable because they're not doing anything. Goes back to the whole, just because they're not being reactive doesn't mean they're comfortable. You cannot yeah. teach a dog to feel safe. Mm-hmm. They either are inside or they're not. Yep. And this is the difference between people who truly understand what's happening deep or they're just looking at external and thinking, I got the behavior I want. Mm-hmm. That's the difference between understanding and not understanding. And, and I want my listeners to understand the difference so that they truly keep their dog safe. Mm-hmm. Not just assuming they feel... It's like watching a dog who sits during an arousal moment, watching the dog sit, saying, now the dog is in control. Control doesn't come from the external behavior. Control is on the inside. How many times have you felt fear, but you didn't move? But that fear didn't change. Every time I feel fear, because that's my default. (laughs) Okay, no, no, that is not your default, because at Haunted Woods... When the chainsaw guy came running up, you did not freeze. You went into full flight mode, got off the trail, tried to run away, tripped in barbed wire, 
and land it like the typical girl in a horror movie. Okay. In my defense, that is the first time I've been approached by something like a deadly weapon. <laughs> it was a haunted house. It doesn't matter. I mean, you, I mean, you got to know what you're going in for, right? But no, you totally, you were in flight mode. There was no freeze there. Not in that one. Well, I froze when I got tangled in the barbed wire and couldn't move. No, you were trying to get up and I was trying to help you and I was laughing and almost pee-peed myself because I was laughing so hard. I didn't know you really fell into barbed wire. Well, thanks. Luckily, you didn't You didn't Thanks for cut laughing anything. at my pain and my I, trauma. It was funny. Because then we ran into Rose, and the chainsaw guy had gotten her, and she said she had tinkled on herself. She full-fledged peed her pants. Sorry, Rose. Y'all, it was the best. It was really some of the best time of my life. All right. So, management. you got to create those safe places. you got to manage the dog's environment. They may not be able to go out and do the things that you want to do right now that you had in your mind you wanted to do with this dog. Mm -hmm. Right? That's okay. We've talked about what we need to do as far as creating support, making some, you know, giving our dogs choices. And that's what I want to start with. I want to start with giving our dogs choices. Now, we used to teach it with hand feeding to where the dog could do any behavior to earn the verbal marker in order to earn their food. Um, You can do this with any of their meals. Uh, And basically, nothing is wrong if the dog moves they get a reward. If the dog looks left, good reward. Dog looks back at you, good reward. Dog stands up, dog sits, dog moves to the right, dog moves to the left, dog scratches his ear, dog looks up at the sky. There's literally nothing they can do that's wrong. If we focus on that and reward every little thing, we're going to really build up some good confidence in teaching the dog that they can do things without the fear of it being wrong. Mm -hmm without that fear of the correction. Now, if we have dogs that have had aversive training in the past where they've been punished for making choices, this is going to be a slower process and you may have to look at the smaller details like my dog barely picked his paw up. I'm going to reward that. The dog blinked. I'm going to reward that. The dog Mm. yawned. I'm going to reward that. Thanks for giving me calming signals. Bingo. Right? (laughs) It's it's looking at absolutely anything that you don't mind seeing repeated, no matter how how small, tiny, simple it is. And that can help teach the dog that, wow, no matter what I do, I can't, I can't go wrong. I can't be wrong. Well, and imagine being rewarded for a calming signal, for a level one calming signal. If you don't know what that means come to our next communication seminar or like get it online or shoot me an email, like whatever. But I imagine being rewarded for a paw raise or a head turn. Now, some people may think, wouldn't the reward for that be you not interacting with them? Maybe, maybe you respond to it and throw them some food. I don't know, but I'm assuming, maybe I shouldn't assume, let's just say your dog has been punished for giving those signals or has those signals have been ignored and you are rewarding those signals and they're being seen and acknowledged. Doesn't mean you have to like interact with them in a confrontational way like, oh, good boy, you know, I mean, 
don't go overboard. But what if I'm just I'm going off the rails here because I no, know this because is, you're you're, I, you're right. If you're rewarding level one signals, but you're right too. Like, is, is that confrontational? It's too? how. But see, this is <laughs> okay. I love that you brought that Hang up. On. Because, I got it right because my mind, my mind went. It's how you respond to it. When I see dogs do that, I get a lot of yawns. Mm-hmm. Right when I'm dealing with these dogs, I will typically praise them and toss a reward away so they can move out of the environment, and I stop. So they don't very different than so you're oh not my good boys interacting good boy. with that. bingo. Right. I'm acknowledging it. I'm throwing something away from me so you can yeah. go get it to say I see you, I hear you, and I respect you. And I think if we you, go overboard. Thank it's, you for it's telling me that made you bingo. uncomfortable. Bingo. And thank you for the way that you presented that information to me. I appreciate it. Here's yep. the reward. Yep. But I'm not going to go overboard. Right. Okay. Even if I'm not using rewards or like food rewards. I get a yawn. I'm like, oh, that's a good boy. That's a good yawn. Okay. And then I immediately you, go to a calming signal. And you turn away. Mm-hmm. But I want to acknowledge it. Typically with a verbal, because as a human, that's my default. Mm-hmm. I could probably simply just look away as the major reward. But as a human, of course, I'm going to say something out of my mouth. I'm just not confrontational. I'm very simple, quick about it. And then I give the desired result. Yeah, but imagine... You acknowledge it in a way that they understand, but you also throw a reward at them. Well, in, but here's the thing with calming signals. They're not always using it just for external. They're sometimes using it to calm themselves, calm themselves. down. Okay. Right? So if they're yawning, and they're, but they're still making eye contact with me, typically that yawn is coming from the need to calm themselves down, mm-hmm. not me. If they're yawning and turning their head away from me, then they're trying to calm me down. So they're going to use those signals differently based on the environment, but you have to put it all together. You can't just look at one and be like, okay, the yawn is trying to calm me down. If they're looking at me and yawning, then they're more than likely trying to calm themselves down and their excitement or their energy, not externally. Okay. So you have to, you've got you've to learn it and then take it as you see it okay. with the rest. But that was a very good point. Very good point. I do enjoy the hand feeding because I do think it allows some some really nice problem-solving skills, confidence building, some bonding because you're sitting there working with the dog for 20, 30 minutes, but you're not putting pressure on the dog. You're not requesting things. Hand feeding is very different than sitting down and practicing commands. Yeah. Very different. You're not talking to them. No, I'm just letting them control it. I'm looking for things that I like and I'm acknowledging it. But there are so many other things that you can do um, as far as like problem solving. You could set up enriching games. Uh, You could do some free work. You could put out items for them just to sniff and find, you know, food. You can do some confidence building exercises like agility or, um, I mean, you don't even have to do agility. You can just set things up in your house to go under a chair, over a chair. Maybe if you go hiking or you have big rocks, you can teach dogs to jump up on the rocks, up on a retaining wall. I mean, it's just finding little things that the dog can do to increase that confidence. Uh, You know, I love any type of sniffing exercise. Mm Mm-hmm. 
I think that every dog enjoys sniffing, and that's a great way to incorporate some enrichment. I love to teach dogs to go hunt. Now, Myers, he hunts food, but we just completed a nose work class where these dogs were imprinted on cloves, and they learned to search out the smell of cloves Mm -hmm. in a wilderness setting. Um, And the owners are obviously learning as well. But it's just those, like, little games like that and setting it up to where they're successful and and doing, you know, a big party and praise over all of that. That's huge to start building some of that confidence. But at the same time, you want to make sure the dog has the opportunity to make choices and to do things on their own. Not us directing every little thing. Getting a dog to sit and lay down when you tell them is not building confidence on their end. It's boosting your ego. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just threw that one out there. First time I ever thought about that. But it's true. When we get a dog to sit and lay down or respond to our commands, and I know I've done this, we're just boosting our ego at like, look how amazing I am at training my dog. Not to say that you don't need a down in certain No, absolutely like, not. A- it's just that shouldn't be your focus. Right. And I used to have that focus. Mm-hmm. Right. How well does my dog respond to commands? It was about me, not about the dog. Again, I'm learning and doing better. Right. Because we need to evolve. That's what life is about. We evolve. And I want to make sure that my dog has the opportunity to make choices right or wrong. And I will tell you, I took Myers to a client the other day and He's not the best dog to use in public with reactive dogs Mm -hmm. because he can be reactive himself. But I didn't, I thought, you know what? I think this is a, this is an okay scenario situation. I think we'll be okay. There were definitely times where he just was out of control as far as his emotions, not out of control as far as not listening to me, out of control as his emotions. Mm -hmm. And Ten years ago, I would have been absolutely mortified for what I do. And I was like, okay, you're overwhelmed. Let's go over here and decompress. Mm-hmm. And I let my clients know, we're going to go decompress. You go over there and decompress. And we'll be back together here in just a few minutes. And because I knew I needed to respect him and where he was and what he was doing and not worrying about my ego. Yeah. Well, that's hard because, I mean, you've had a quote-unquote foolproof dog oh my god yes I have who didn't react at all she was the best so (laughs) I'm sure it's been like a learning curve and you know there's part of you like your pride that's been oh yeah damn it but then I realized (laughs) I don't know if I was actually the one to be like look how good Tiba is I think she was just such a good dog born that way (laughs) that dog was so damn good like y'all I could use her in a reactive case where I could put her somewhere in a stay 20 yards from our reactive dog no one's with her she's off leash I could get her to walk one or two steps forward when I needed her to and stop on a dime but she was still full of personality she spoiled me I don't think I was that great of a trainer I think she was just an amazing dog good of a dog um Because let's be real, I'm much better at dealing with behavior than training. I don't do as much training these days. I love behavior. But the thing is, is we just have to make sure that we're always, no matter where we are, 
no matter who's around. And this is so true for professionals that do what I do. We have to make sure that our number one priority is the care and the welfare of the dog and not what other people think of us. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of young trainers, young people that work in the behavior world or work with dogs have this thought that they need to make the dog do exactly what they need in order to look good. And I know where you're coming from because I've been there. Well, I mean, it's your income. Absolutely. Right? I mean. <laughs> Absolutely. When you start considering more the welfare of the dog and not what these strangers think of you, mm-hmm. then, then you're on the right track. And I say this for owners as well. Why do you care what strangers think about you when you're never going to probably see them again? But the dog you're going to take home with you and that lives with you, they count on you and trust you. You have to have their back all the time. Mm. That's hard. That's you, Karen, on the trail. Georgia. <laughs> uh, oh, apologies to people out there named Karen. Sorry, who, Karen. Who are not. Very nice people. <laughs> or not. I really hate that we've Jer- named people I know, that. It's not fair. It's not fair for the people that it's I know fair. that are named Karen that I like. <laughs> that are really kind. That are really nice uh, <laughs> and great people. And do not call your manager. Right. Uh yeah. No. Or, I mean, that's the thing is we have to stop worrying about what strangers think about you because your dog is what matters in that moment. You And that's, again, it goes back to that I have to advocate for my dog mm-hmm. and not care what other people think. And if you're not prepared to do that, don't put you or your dog in that situation. I mean, it's real simple. You can control that. Don't put them in that situation mm-hmm. if you don't think you're prepared to handle that. But we have to make sure that we always have our dogs back, that we're giving them the opportunity to make choices and hand feeding a truly is one of my favorite. Now, some of you guys have heard this probably as the Smart 50. Um, there's another one going around called Can't Get It Wrong Game, where it doesn't matter what your dog does, you acknowledge the behavior. If it's any movement, any change, acknowledge and reward. And I'm good with that. I'm good with that. You can make it more challenging as the dog gets better, but I'm really good with just letting the dog, anything they do is right. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, obviously, if it's something you really hate, like they just pawed you in the face, don't reward that. <laughs> I mean, let's use some common sense here. But it is true. It is important that we give them that opportunity to do that. There are some simple exercises you can do. Simple things like just not running out the front door or running out any door. The crate door can build confidence. It's predictability. When you have that predictability that anytime you come across a barrier, you wait until you get permission to go through, that can create some confidence. I know what to expect when this door happens or this door happens. And that can really make a difference. It's those little things that dogs need where people think, well, it's not a problem. Every time we go out the front door, he's on a leash, so he can't run out. But yet you punish him and correct him for trying to run out the front door even though you've never taught him exactly what to do because you had a leash attached what do you do with dogs who are afraid of thresholds oh those are tough in those moments i've got to get them used to the the threshold at first i've Mm -hmm. got to get them comfortable walking through a threshold so at that point i'm not i'm working on like opposite door control i'm going to reward a lot of behavior around the threshold positivity around the threshold I'm gonna probably open up a door so that they have freedom to go back and forth if there's an opportunity to do that in safety and then once that happens I will start with just putting in a permission word 
before I actually teach any type of waiting for the permission word. Okay. I'm going to start out making it an automatic. Because if you have a dog who's afraid of thresholds, then bolting through a door is not an issue. Mm-hmm. So well, you, I mean, you want to teach it a little differently. Because I imagine that there are dogs with, say, hoarding cases where there's trauma there. Yes. Where they are not accustomed to thresholds. Correct. And if they are, it's n- not great. Correct. Right? Like the other side of that threshold is not introducing them to something fun. Correct. So, you know, how do you, from a trauma standpoint, like kind of, kind of help them with that? So I had a, I had a, um, a dog come into my program when I had the SCAR program, which was the second chance animal rehabilitation program. And I would have rescues send in, um, you know, a dog and send in their, the rescue would have to be approved before they would even be able to send dogs in. Uh, I had this one dog named Rose and I honestly, when I met this dog for the first time, my first initial thought was why of all the dogs would you take that dog out of a shelter? It's nowhere even close to being adoptable. And I guarantee there were other dogs there that were probably adoptable. Mm -hmm. I thought this dog isn't going to go anywhere. This dog was only supposed to stay with me for two weeks. I I loved this dog. I honestly had no idea where I could take this dog, but she was deathly afraid of thresholds. Mm-hmm. Now, I had other dogs that would help with this, and I think that that makes a huge difference. If you have dogs that have good confidence and you have dogs that are able to kind of take other ones under their wings. And and I was very fortunate at the time to have dogs that could do that. Mm-hmm. They didn't have trauma themselves. They were happy-go-lucky. And what we would do is just open the door and let the other dogs out and just give her the time to make those choices. Kind of see the other dogs running right. in and out. and See if she could just learn through mimicking their behavior and finding that comfort. Because if you're not attached to a human... So she was not, it was not like I'm going to attach to this human and I'm going to be here. They're either going to be either attached to a human, attached to dogs, or absolutely detached from everything, which is a whole nother ball game. Mm-hmm. She was more attached to the dogs, which worked out great because they were able to help her with these. Okay. What I didn't do is try to lure her over the threshold, mm-hmm. bribe her over the threshold, overly encourage to walk over the threshold because that's not going to work. She doesn't trust humans as it is. What she could see is these are dogs doing it and they're okay. They're going out and coming in, going out and coming in. She started to have that confidence. Mm-hmm. She literally spent the first 45 minutes um, in our home sitting in the same spot, not moving. Mm-hmm. And I wish I knew then what I know now. I think I could have helped her more. She ended up being phenomenal she ended up finding a home and passed away about three years ago from old age. But she was just one of those dogs that was so afraid of thresholds. Mm-hmm. And um, I think the other dogs really made a difference mm-hmm. with that. So if you have a dog, if you're going to work with dogs with trauma, um, having a dog that they can even follow, even if it's just a friend's dog, that can be a good support system, you need to grab a hold of that. Mm-hmm. Right? So... Myers would not be one of those, bless him, but because he has his own trauma. Uh, Isabella doesn't like all dogs, so she couldn't help, even though she doesn't really have a ton of trauma. Mm-mm. She just has attitude. It's cool. <laughs> it's not fair. It's not fair, right? 
Um, so anyway, so we go back to doing things, um, you know, mental and physical activities. Play is a great way. I see a lot of dogs who actually don't know how to play. So giving them the opportunity to play is good. Not forcing them into play, meeting them where they are, right? Don't try to play with them where you want them to be because that can overwhelm them. Mm -hmm. If you just start very simple, leave some toys out, leave some things out, maybe has some treats in them, some food in it um, to get them to kind of dig around and help them learn that. Meet them where they are. Don't try to get them to play the way you want to play. Not every dog is going to want to tug. Not every dog is going to want to wrestle. Not every dog wants you kind of smushing their face. and good baby. Okay. All of that sounds like a good way to get bitten in the face. I know, right? I know. That's what, I mean, Sorry. you do have to be very careful because you don't know what these dogs have been through. And you don't know exactly what their trigger is. You want to connect the mind, body, and brain together. And some really good ways of doing that is just physical, any type of physical movements that are specific, not just running in the backyard, but things like going over and under things. You have to really think about that, right? Crawling under a tree. You have to think about that and you have to change your body movements to do that, which if you have to change your body movements, you have to change your brain. That's, that's a lot like mindfulness in humans, like grounding yourself, being aware of your body, being aware of your mind. Like you have to think and like everything has to be connected right you are so on it because grounding is the very next thing we're going to talk about that was good i didn't even read those no but but you're right though i mean i may be using this podcast for myself you might you might that's okay because we can (laughs) we can use this for ourselves grounding is something that we need and it's truly about mindfulness and that that comes with not only physical but also breathing and we're going to talk about breathing and teaching dogs how to breathe oh wait yeah. you can do that yeah oh, um, okay yeah it's good times but that we're going to get into that but we have to ground them to say you're not back in that trauma mm-hmm. right you're right here right here, now here you are here you are I've had to practice doing that because my brain goes all over the place I've started thinking about what it feels like the bed feels against my legs my feet the blanket the head, um, my head on the pillow. And there are some other ways that some people will do where uh, they're sitting in a room and they may be like mindfulness, find three round objects, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to look for three round objects. Find five things with the color red. Okay, I'm going to do that. That brings you back to the moment. And we need to help dogs do that because they don't necessarily know how to do that. Some of the things that we can do with grounding is, is what I've talked about in the past as far as the safe room. You can use scent, right? So if, for me, my grounding is honeysuckle. I can see why, how scent would be one of the best things to Well, obviously for a dog, but even for humans. Yeah. and So long as it's a scent that's not... Positive. Yeah. Right. So when we talk about scent, the smoke smell is not a positive mm-hmm. for Myers. You love the smell of campfire Mm -hmm. because it brings you. It's comfort. Exactly. So it does not bring me comfort. I like it, but it doesn't really, I'm more neutral because I do have some like, I don't want to go to bed smell like that. It's a little strong, but it's a more neutral feel. But like honeysuckle for me, Mm oh, brings me peace. And so I think it's important we find something like that for our dogs Mm -hmm. 
Lavender is relaxing. If you pair that with relaxation, right? If I, actually, if I turn on my my diffuser, Lord, desensitization and diffuser. If I turn on my diffuser and I had honeysuckle and I turn that on each time I put Myers in for decompression, I would hope that that odor then would become a part of his grounding. Like it grounds me. Hmm. Just like when I would play. So you can also not even use, like, you can use noise as well. So when I would play audiobooks when he was a puppy, that was night-night time. I use that for grounding. I use it for me for grounding. Reading is grounding for me. So it's not like a dissociative thing for you? When I read? I feel like I feel like reading or music can can take you out of your body I think absolutely no I think you're right does that make sense yes like absolutely you're it's an escapism art tends to be for escape so for me personally music is my escape reading because I do it at bedtime Mm -hmm. I'm already tired and so reading makes me more tired and so for me reading makes me tired which then grounds me because for me, reading is a certain time. It's nighttime, bed, I'm in the bed, I'm comfortable, I know I'm going to sleep, I have these many hours until I'm expected to do anything else. So reading for me grounds me. For me, music, I that's my escape. But I think, so that's why I think it's a very independent, individual decision and not every dog is going to relax at honeysuckle or lavender or jazz music. I think we have to find what works and that's going to be some trial and error obviously with each dog if you have a dog who's sound sensitive music may not be anything that's going to calm them yeah no (laughs) doesn't matter what the music is a bloodhound may not ever calm down with a scent Mm -hmm. because their their system is already so overwhelmed with odor that 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 any type of odor actually jacks their brain up because of what they've been bred to do. Mm-hmm. So think of a scent hound. Yes, we want to meet that through enrichment. Enrichment and grounding can be two different things. I don't give my dog enrichment necessarily to ground them, but I need to find ways to ground them when they need it. I give enrichment when they're already grounded. I find ways to give grounding. Okay. That may include enrichment. Okay. Just, I know, it's like... I'm going to have to think on that, but okay. Right? All right. You can go back and listen to that. But we need to help find ways, and every dog is going to be different. Maybe it's a texture. Maybe your dog laying in a certain on a certain blanket or a pillow, right? Maybe that texture helps to ground them. It's it's going to be. It's just really truly going to depend on the dog. But you got to figure it out, right? If I have a dog who sleeps every time they're wrapped in my arms, it's in a fleece blanket. Then fleece may be a grounding. Mm-hmm texture if I whistle every time I'm holding my dog and and you know holding them while they sleep maybe whistling becomes a grounding it depends on the dog but you got to play with it right Um, I can tell you though that most dogs most will do very well at grounding with any type of sniffing or foraging behavior sniffing calms brings them down and even if you look at dogs like scent hounds, bloodhounds, 
their job is to sniff and what's the best way to ground but to get to back get back to something that is just natural for you mm-hmm. when I'm stressed I can feel very stressed and have a really bad day but as soon as I get in with a client it's like none of that ever happened none of my day has ever happened it doesn't cross my mind it's just gone but that to me is not grounding that is escapism and those are two different things i don't agree with that I... what what makes that escapism instead of grounding so because es- i think it would depend on what your emotions are feeling inside so the point of mindfulness and grounding is to be present and i'm not saying you're not present when you're with your clients i think you very much are you are in that just like I would be present listening to my favorite artist's album, like my favorite album. However, that is not helping me regulate my emotions. Then it's not grounding. Exactly. So So yours is escapism. You're avoiding. It's not necessarily, yeah, it is avoiding. You're avoiding what you're feeling. but, But for you. I'm feeling it, but then I level out because here's the thing. When I leave that client, I don't revert back to what I was feeling. Okay. But but that's also why sometimes escapism is great and why art and, and things like that are so important because they do, they can increase like serotonin and they can make you feel, um, I mean, it's like therapy in and of itself, right? I mean, there's... Then songs- why wouldn't that be grounding? And it's, and it's not escape escapism to me would be I'm going to listen to this so I don't have to think about how I feel and I'm not interested in changing how I feel I just don't want to feel it oh no no whereas grounding is I recognize this and I need to come back to now so I'm going to absolutely absorb okay so that that makes sense there are certain things that I listen to that make me feel all the things and I have to feel it and I make myself feel it and then like I'm good so yes I can see why that would be grounding there are other things that I listen to that I'm like, I don't, I just want to go somewhere else. Two different things then. Yeah. Escapism and grounding is not the same thing, but yet the same technique can be used for either. Depending on what it is. And depending on the individual. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. All right. So that was some really good conversation. We had to take a quick break there. I cut you off on that last Sorry. No. I, and I, I bet because I, I was like, I had to go to the restroom. I apologize too because I'm I'm realizing that things that are grounding for some people as in like I'm here, I'm present, this is where I am, this is where I'm supposed to be, I'm safe, could be escapism for someone else, but both of them are useful in certain situations. So, yes. Okay. Right. Yes. So we're aligned on that. Absolutely. Okay. We're good. <laughs> I apologize. I took so much time on that. No, I think that that was really good because... I didn't think about that fine line between escapism and grounding. And I think that it can be a very fine line. If I had gone to a client upset, did my client, was grounded, but then got back in the car and immediately became upset again, that would be considered escapism. I escaped for that hour and a half. Mm -hmm. But if I can come out of that client with a new attitude and not focused on whatever I was upset about before, then there was my grounding. Knowing that you went there, like, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is where I'm supposed to be. This is my life. Yeah. 
I honestly, there are some times where I think my right arm could be falling off and it would hurt really bad. And then once I started teaching, I'd forget that my right arm was falling off. <laughs> That's escapism though. Was it? Yeah. Unless I remember that it was falling off when I came out of there. Something like that. I probably would. But it, it truly is. We do have to make sure that we are finding ways to ground our dog. And that's going to be a little different. I can tell you sniffing games, sounds, textures, location. Find out what works for your dog. And one of the best ways to do that is to think about what does your dog see as an anchor? Mm-hmm. Okay, so an anchor is something that will ground you, right? So we have an anchor on a boat. You drop the anchor, it grounds the boat. I'm thinking about like um, you do a check-in or a touch command. Not an anchor. But can that be used to when you see your dog escalate or they're going into a place of what I would call like a human flashback, for instance, or a panic attack. Can you use that to pull them out of that? Not unless they use that as an anchor themselves. Okay. So dogs will typically tell you what their anchors are. Okay. And again, not every anchor is going to be the same. So in order to learn what your dog's anchor is... You have to pay attention and see what your dog does in those moments of fear, nervousness. In that moment where they need to be grounded, what are they doing? Right? Do you have a dog who runs to you? Mm -hmm. Myers has a couple of different anchors he uses. He hits that damn bell on the back door. That for him is, if I do that, that interrupts whatever's happening energy-wise. Because he doesn't necessarily want to go outside when he hits it's it. It's like hitting if a you've fire watched alarm. Him, he hits it to like get my attention to go there instead of wherever it is. It's making him nervous. Like the softball game. Another anchor could be it, when your dog is overly aroused, do they go and grab a toy? Is that specific toy an anchor? Mm. You get a lot of dogs that have that oral fixation Mm -hmm. that they have to grab a certain toy and as long as that toy is in their mouth they're grounded because that's an anchor um so but thinking about Myers hitting the bell that's not grounding that is that is a pacification action so um like let me think of an example here I am really interested in where you're going with this. Okay. This is fascinating. Okay. So I'm I'm thinking about as a child, you have you have a parental figure who is escalating and they're getting out of control. And a child interjects in some way that pacifies that adult or at least gets the adult's mind off of the escalation. So him ringing the bell is not for himself, except that it's like survival. It's a, hey, daddy, can I go get you something? Hey, can I can I go get you a beer? Or can I go get you a snack or something like that? Like you're interrupting something that's escalating. And that's why I would use a check-in or a touch. And Myers is using it the same damn way. But... But Holy for you. shit. But for yes, you. but for me. 
Holy he's, he's using it in an opposite way. So that's not a that's not You're a right. grounding. You're right. That is not. You're right. He is. That's not a grounding mechanism. He's interrupting the behavior. Yeah. He's to saying, keep it from escalating. He's like, this is scary. You're escalating. I'm going to be a distraction. Well, we were down by six runs. Okay, but that's no different than a child figuring out a way. You're right. I, I to de deescalate and see that is why it takes a village because i would not have seen it that way without you pointing that out now i'll see it differently granted you have the self-awareness unlike a drunk parent true drunk abusive parent you have the self-awareness to say okay he's uncomfortable that's why he's excessively ringing yes the and bell. i and i usually bring it down when and he does then that you can go and say all right i recognize you're uncomfortable so that's yep. that's where it's different yep right yep. like you're able to say okay yeah i recognize okay this is a pattern this is when he's doing this okay he's uncomfortable what do i need to do to help change this okay yeah, that, yeah. but that's not a grounding thing for him he's not doing that it's to not make an anchor so okay i see what you're saying yeah. that was yeah that's not an anchor you're right for him. you're right that definitely wasn't there are other ways so like an anchor would be something that the the dog does to bring themselves down. So you're right. That would be more about bringing me down where an anchor, maybe I'm grabbing a toy. Maybe I am coming to my owner and nudging them, asking to be in their lap. Maybe I start licking myself mm -hmm. so that now I'm doing a little bit of OCD of licking because that grounds me. Maybe I go to the closet and hide. Maybe I go to the bathtub. Yeah. Maybe I go to the bathroom, yeah, yeah. right? Those are all considered their anchors. And if we recognize that, then if I see that my dog goes to the closet when they're upset, then when I see they need to be grounded and anchored, maybe I take them to the closet, right? I recognize what it is they need, and I provide that in the moments that they need it. Yeah. But you're right. That was not what he is doing is totally for me, not for him. So for him, him pawing at his crate door yes, to say... I would like to go in here to decompress, recognizing that and letting him go in, like opening the door for him and saying, all right, buddy. Or when you see that he's getting above threshold and he's panicking. I send him to it. You say, hey, buddy. Let's just go get in your crate, buddy. Let's go get in your crate. Yeah. And he's like, yes, please. Thank please. you. For, thank you for seeing me. Because that's his anchor. Yeah. And we've created that. I feel like I've we have created that. But we created like a safe, a safe place, like positive place. And that's where we want that to be, right? Yeah, An yeah. anchor to kind of be that. But here's another thing. When we go back to talking about don't let your dog demand attention because he's trying to be the alpha and dominate you. Fuck off. And I'm not even going to edit that one out. <laughs> you shouldn't. Because if your dog is coming to you begging for attention, there is a reason. And mm -hmm. it's not probably just because they want you to love and cuddle them. There is a reason, and it may, may it may not be obvious to you. There are times he comes to me, I'm like, what is going on? Nothing has changed in my eyes, but I'm not here to judge you. I'm just here to hold you because you've asked me to. But your senses are different. Our senses are different. We're wired to see things differently. Yes. Yes. Even when he barks at something and Isabella doesn't bark at it, even though she's looking out the same window because she's like, bro. It's not a big deal to her. What? It's totally yeah. off the charts for him. <laughs> yeah. She's like, okay. <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. And, and it is, it's totally different for everyone. And that's why it's important that we look at the dog that we have in front of us. 
and not try to put what our experience is, what we saw in the past, what our last dog did, what our dog that's living in the house is doing, but the dog in front of us that's having this issue. Mm -hmm. It's our job to look at it and respect it. But it's important that whenever we see that they need that grounding, that we give them that opportunity, but we also find what that anchor is. Do you need to be in my lap? Do you need this certain toy? Do you need this, you know, a licky mat? Do you need a stuffed topple? Do you need to go to your crate? What do you need? I am here for you. What do you need? I am here. I am willing to give this to you to help you get anchored and grounded. And that's our responsibility to do that. But as you see that the majority of this two-part here is about the human having to recognize what's taking place. Not counting on the dog to come over and say, hey, mom, I need this. We have to do our own, our own research and that takes time. It does take time. This is not something that's going to be fixed in a few weeks. Yeah. You have to understand that this is so much deeper. Now, let's talk about co-regulation and self-regulation. In the beginning, if dogs can self-regulate, they're probably not having as many problems as you think. But if they're dealing with trauma and they're dealing with problems like I'm dealing with Myers, I've really worked on co-regulation with him. Mm-hmm. And mostly this happens in the evenings when we're in the bedroom and my lights are still on and he's still kind of active. He gets to, a, to his little barking issue. And I have learned, instead of just sitting there going, Myers, that's enough. That's enough. Let's go to your crate. I am actually starting to help him regulate by regulating myself. I start breathing deeper. Mm-hmm. I start slowing down with my talking. I start slowing down with my movements. I don't do a lot of petting. I'm just breathing. I may talk to him a little bit, but it's very quiet. It's soothing. I may just explain what it is that he's hearing or explain to him that I don't know what he's hearing, but I'm just talking to him. Are you doing it in a sing-song voice? I'm trying to do it in more of a sing-song voice. I'm singing. Everybody loves to sing. Well, because people have commented on the past cause I, in the past because I've said this on podcasts where I sing to Isabella while we're out in public, but it's usually because I recognize that I'm getting anxious, and so if I sing, that anchors you, and then she's like, "Cool, ground we're, you, we're good." What so ground you? Yeah, we're good because I can see her start to like, oh, what's going on? And then I'm like, I'm singing, I'm, I'm singing, in a singing store, in the store. And I'm singing. Singing in front of people. Um, so then she's like, cool, cool. You're a weirdo. Uh, yeah, we're good. You and know, I, I, will, I will find that when I'm starting to breathe deeper, mm-hmm. he's starting to slow down and recognize it. Because typically when I'm doing this, he's laying on me mm-hmm. and my stomach or my chest. And so he feels that deep breath, slowly in, slowly out. And I'll just talk to him. And it's really started to help him mm-hmm. bring it down a few notches. Yeah. Now, my goal is to teach him self-regulation. But in the meantime, I need to be his partner. And I need to co-regulate with him mm-hmm. to help him learn. Yeah. And there are ways to teach a dog to breathe. When they're panting, they're not breathing through their nose, so they're not taking deep breaths. We want them breathing through the nose. You can use a treat to kind of get that attention. I'm going to recommend you just look up Danielle Beck, 
breathing on YouTube. Mm -hmm. She has some wonderful resources. Uh, She also calls what she talks about as controlling the meerkats and the meerkats taking over the brain. If you just look that up, you're going to find so much great information. Uh, She has just some phenomenal resources. Which is the first time you said, because I've not taken this course, but the first time you said that phrase, I was like, I know exactly what that means. Like it resonated with me. Yeah. Even though, like, we don't have meerkats here. Right. Prairie dogs. Um, <laughs> I was like, that makes so much sense to me. Like, and it's funny because it didn't for me until I got into the course. What that means. And I was like, <laughs> oh, that makes so much sense. That's, so definitely look her up. Danielle Beck, B E C K. We'll put it in the show notes. Um, and she does a controlled meerkats. And it's just really fascinating because she's just, it's truly understanding that when your dog goes through some of these things there is there's no rhyme or reason sometimes and there's no control and but if we're there to help them and we can help them kind of regulate those emotions by regulating our emotions that can make a huge huge difference but of course you have to be able to recognize body language what is your dog telling you know your dog Mm -hmm. truly know your dog you want to be able to control your own emotions and we've talked about this before because nervous systems talk to each other right if you are together and there's that connection your nervous system is going to talk and you want to make sure that your nervous system is the main one doing the talking and not your dogs and that's why it's really important that you learn to control yourself in order to help your dog what you you kept having these looks over here like you've got something you want to say on this because this goes so much deeper people so there are a lot of people who think that this is sort of like phony like the whole like nervous system thing even though there are like studies on it and so weird just read this i don't uh, get that just read an article two days ago about plants communicating with one another yeah and how scientists measure what they're actually saying when they're in distress and that animals can actually pick up on plants communication. So is this why Steve sits in the box with the wildflowers? Steve just wants to destroy everything. He just wants to kill my plants. I'm just asking. Maybe they want to die. No, they don't want to die. If they did, they wouldn't Maybe have Maybe they're wildflowers and they don't want to be put in a pot. Okay. Have you ever thought about that? Okay. Wildflowers want to be out in the wild. And you put them in a pot. And Steve's like, I'm going to help you. <sighs> okay, that's just a thought. Jesus Christ. I'm just talking about nervous systems and communication. Well, people talk about talking to their plants. That is a thing. It is. And I talk Have to you my- talked to the plant? Like, I've gone out and talked to the willow tree. Oh, I talk to my plants all the time. Okay. Why, why do you think they're... Look at this. Look at this. You do. You take fig. you take plants that are almost look dead and you turn them into something beautiful. This baby right here. It's like what you did with me. That is a whole other therapy session. Wow. That we have to pay for. Okay. <laughs> no, but I like so I'm I'm reading this and because they are they have the technology to see the communication, right? Like from an electro like a light spectrum energy. Like, yeah, energy. They can measure the energy and everything from like underground, what they're communicating to one another underground to what the branches are communicating. Like all So the trees in the Wizard of Oz was real. Yep. 
But the apple trees and the Wizard of Oz. Side note. They were real. Totally unrelated to dogs. Did you know that that smell of cut grass, you know, everybody knows what cut grass is. Love that smell. Did you know that that smell, even though it's comforting to us, is actually (laughs) grass saying it's in distress? Because it just got chopped in half Mm -hmm. and part of it died? Yep. Well, that's disappointing and depressing. Isn't that horrible? Now I'm going to... And now, I, now I can't enjoy the smell of fresh cut grass. Aren't you glad that grass doesn't scream when it's being cut? Oh my God, you're an asshole. You're the one who watches horror movies. I do, but that shit's fake. I, I don't want to know about my grass screaming every time I look out and go, thank God the mowers are here. Oh, well, they, because for me, I want my grass they shorter adapt, so I can see my cats. They adapt to trauma much better than we do, obviously. Their resilience is much better. we wouldn't have to have it cut every single week. <laughs> They, You're right. They they grow back. They bounce back very quickly. You think they would just learn to not grow anymore. They're going to keep getting You know cut. what? Why do you... <sighs> no, no, no. But I was just, just talking about nervous systems. That was very interesting, though. You're right. Nervous systems talking to one another. It It's not just animals. Like, plants right. do it as well. Like, anything that has energy is going to have some sort of communication like so my recommendation is if you have trauma that you're still dealing with please do not adopt a dog who has trauma just like don't get in a relationship with someone who also has trauma oh oh and people, we both have trauma well people my t- trauma's good i'm i'm in that whole like this next thing i'm gonna say about trauma can split people like you can split a being with trauma Half of you can be okay with life, and the other half is still dealing with the trauma. Well, I think that's true of most people. I, well, I mean, that's just true or most in general. Beings, yeah, in, any, in general. yeah, anybody that's that any organism, right? I mean, look at grass. Exactly, you're going back to the grass. Half of it's okay, and half of it's not. Jeez, I mean, and what? It, I mean, what do you do with the grass that's still alive with your dead grass on top of you? This means a whole new, a whole new reason why we need to rake. The yard after I don't mowing. Think it, I, don't, I think it has a consciousness to know. It's not like it feels pain. It doesn't have an actual central nervous system. Okay. Right? But there's still the nervous system there that's, yeah. So just think about it. If a grass can do it, yard dogs are screwed. They can definitely, that's what I'm saying. They can definitely tell us that they're not okay. So look. <laughs> Here's here's the bottom line. Get your trauma better before you try to deal with your dog's trauma. Or at least work together as a pair and as a team because it takes a village. It takes, find ways to ground yourself if that's what you need. What anchors you, right? For me, grounding, I do try to be mindful where I am. I try to feel the, uh, if I'm laying down, I'm trying to feel the bedding or the material against my legs. I'm really focusing a little bit more on my breathing because I have Mm -hmm. a problem breathing. I like to hold my breath. Anchoring for me, there's a couple of things I have for anchoring. You're one of my anchors. When I'm really kind of in that spiral, Mm -hmm. if I just know I just go like lay into your embrace, you're my anchor. And I think that, our dogs need to know they have that, right? I, I don't I don't think that we are as many... I don't think we anchor our dogs as much as we know we can because I think that we're, we get frustrated, right? We get frustrated and we want things to be fixed. We want the dog to be okay and we want everything to be okay because we don't know how to handle it. 
but we need to be that anchor and we need to, you know, well, and if we're not that anchor, that's okay. It might be a toy. It might be sniffing and foraging. It might be going to a certain location, but you have to understand what that anchor is for that dog. And like I said, trauma can split a being. Your dog can have a fine way of handling daily life. Myers does a fine job handling daily life. Mm -hmm. He went to nose work class with me. He went to social hour. He was phenomenal. And the next day we're dealing with problems with trauma, right? So he, he doesn't, he doesn't live in a trauma state. Some dogs do if that trauma, if that triggers in the house. Right. But just because your dog is living a daily life doesn't mean they're not dealing with trauma. And it doesn't mean that you need to ignore it because they're just fine. Don't be okay with your dog just being okay. Um, you need to be that advocate and you need to go, you know what? You're not as great as you could be and, and I'm going to help you get there. Because a lot of people I see, my dog is afraid of X, Y, and Z, but that's just the way they are. No, mm -hmm. that's not just the way they are. Let's help them be better. That is a miserable place to be in, to have that stress all the time. And here's another thing. We've given you some actionable items to do. But here's the thing, and you need to really listen to this. Things will get worse before they get better. Okay, what I mean by that, if you have a dog who is used to shutting down during trauma, they're quiet, learn helplessness, or they're just, they're checked out, right? We're in that full compliance. We're in that just disassociation phase. When we teach them how to actually accept the emotions that they're feeling, because you can't deal with emotions until you accept them. I can't deal with any emotion until I accept that it's there. Otherwise, I am just shutting it out. Once a dog learns that they can actually recognize the emotion and deal with the emotion, now they're going to be reactive to it. So with, let's just say you have a dog who freaks out every time uh, someone knocks on the door. And it's from a trauma base, right? Mm -hmm. Whatever that case may be. And the dog, when someone would knock on the door, they would just shut down, go hide in the corner, lay down, and curl up. You think, oh, look how well-behaved they are. They know where to go. Then you start teaching them to recognize that emotion. Now you have a dog when you get knocking on the door. Now they're in the fight or flight phase. Now they're going to start recognizing the emotion and doing something about it. Now we're able to start changing the way they're responding to it. When a dog is shut down, you can't change anything. You have to help them recognize the emotion in order to change the emotion. And so much of that is just them feeling safe. Yes. Because if you're not safe to express your emotions, and boy, that can get deep with humans. Like how many of y'all just went, oh, shit. I've been afraid to share my emotions. If y'all don't feel safe with your therapists, get a different therapist. Like, I, look... <laughs> Or your I, spouse. I'm going to be on. I look. I mean, you know. I'm going to share something very personal with you guys. There was a time in my life that I was dealing with some very dark, dark, dark emotions. I was very depressed. I was in a very bad place. And for me, I've always been 
I'm a warrior, right? I'm going to stand up for the right things. I'm loud. I'm, I've got a lot of energy. I'm in the forefront, right? I'm here. I remember this moment in time where I just had no idea what I was feeling. And, and well, I knew what I was feeling. I just didn't understand why I was feeling that. Mm-hmm. And a person in my life who I really counted on looked at me and said, in the best of intentions, best of intentions, Nikki, you're fine. You're the strongest person I know. And what that person didn't realize is that comment shattered me. Yeah, I mean, it, it invalidated what you were feeling because you were not feeling strong. I was not feeling strong at all. I was literally... So that was saying it's not okay for you to not feel strong. I couldn't even tell you exactly what it made me feel as far as like detail. I just know it made me feel worse because I felt like I shouldn't have been feeling that. But that even though I was feeling that, nobody understood what I was feeling. Therefore, if nobody else understood what I was feeling and I couldn't grasp it, I didn't know how to get through it. Yeah, you're like, yeah, I should be fine. I should be fine, but I'm not. So I must be horrible that I can't handle this. Mm-hmm. And it went really downhill from there. Mm-hmm. I was in a really bad place. Right. So I, I think that we need to be, and it was really, it came out with the best of intentions. Of course. I, I knew exactly what they were saying. Right. But it did not help me in that moment because we have to have that understanding and that empathy and understand that, yeah, you can be strong. And, and I am a strong person. I, I have no, I don't deny that I feel like I am a very strong person and, and I get it. Honestly, my mother is one of the strongest people. Mm-hmm. I've ever met, but maybe, I've even seen her. Maybe resilient. Is resilient may be a better, a word. better word. You're right. My mother's very resilient, and I have seen her in a moment to where that resiliency was gone. And I never, I learned my lesson about overstepping my mother because we're very similar, mm-hmm. and it was not a very good positive relationship growing up. But the one time I saw her, not in that role, I stepped up. Mm-hmm. And you could almost, you could see and hear the relief mm-hmm. on her. And that probably was the first and last time that's ever happened. But it was a such a significant moment for me. Well, and you, the key was you knew her well enough. You knew her well enough to know one, she wasn't going to ask for help. No. But two, she was struggling to bounce back because she had been through so much. And you knew if I don't step in, like no one else is. Like she's not. And and she would say that too. And she has. Oh, no. She's... I, I mean, she is. She's expressed this. Maybe not to you, but to me. Not, but obviously not. No, she, she expresses more to you. <laughs> she she has expressed this to me. And that was a really tough time. And and I was just a like a bystander in this, really. Just like, whatever y'all need, I'm here. But that, but that was the key, is you knew her. You knew her so well. Like, you knew her well enough to say, oh, crap. Someone needs to step up right now. And instead of her getting angry, she was like, Yes, thank you. Like, someone sees me. I couldn't do this anymore. Thank you. And you did. Like, you... It was like being in a room with two of her. 
or seriously two of you i'm not sure you guys are that's amazing you two are sort of similar you're you're very similar being careful how i word that because saying like you're just like your mom no i know i know you're supposed to say to your spouse no you're not that will get you luckily my mother doesn't listen to this and listen to this podcast at all no we're not talking shit about her no 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 you're right but that was the first time i'd ever really seen even though i now looking back i saw some times where i should have stepped up but i wasn't mature enough or even prepared enough in my own life to Mm -hmm. be able to help because i was dealing with my own shit this time, though, I just, I saw it, and I thought, you know what? No, I don't care what she says. I'm taking over. Mm-hmm. But I didn't do it in a way that was, I think, what's the word I'm looking for? I didn't put her down to do it. I basically came in to say, I've got you. I've got your back. i got your back. We're you on the same team. Were I got your back. I, I, am, I was supporting you. You did all the spend. Yeah. In that moment, you, like, this was such an ordeal to you, like, you supported her. You protected her. You empathized with her. And that was a mm. big part of it. You totally empathize. Yes. Um, I navigated the way. Oh, and then, and then I directed you her. Did, you didn't just direct her, though. You directed everyone around her. And I think that was part of it, too, is you. it's not only about direct. So going back to dogs, mm-hmm. it's not only about directing your dog. It's about having the foresight to direct the people and other organisms around your yes. dog. And, and oh, you it, nailed it right there. It all sort of goes back to protection. They all usually see, like, you usually see these things linear. But this is more of like a pie chart, right? Like a pie graph. Like, yeah. They're all interconnected. Yeah, you, that direction that you gave was not just to her. It was to everyone else in that circle, which showed her that she was protected. And I think you have to do that with your dog as well. You do because, I mean. And it's going to make you unpopular. Oh, yeah. Like, sorry. There are people. Doesn't mean you got to scream at people, right? Like, No, no. <laughs> Get away from my dog. Blah. No, but you have to. But you have you, to be forceful sometimes. And you have to advocate. And, and if you're not prepared to advocate for your dog, especially out in public or people that are going to be around your dog. Don't let people around your dog know that enough about you that you just don't put them in that situation. There's there's a lot of self-awareness that has to go. Absolutely. Absolutely. But your dog is counting on that. Yeah. Your dog is counting on that. Um, Just know that, look, when your dog learns to use their voice, they will make sure you hear them. But here's the thing. When they recognize that emotion, now we can teach them how to handle that emotion how to work through that emotion, how to regulate through that emotion, and how to get back to a baseline. So don't think that your dog is getting worse Mm -hmm. when you go from a quiet dog to a loud dog. And that, I think, is a common mistake people see. Oh, my dog was doing good, and now he's doing all that. I warn people all the time. When I am building confidence in your dog, I guarantee you your dog is going to do something you don't like. And usually it's, I ask, does your dog counter surf? No, never. Well, he's going to, as soon as we start building his confidence, he's going to counter surf. And when that happens, pat yourself on the back because you're building his confidence because now he has the confidence to try something new. Mm-hmm. It's it's like being in therapy and y- your therapist recognizing like you don't have a voice 
in your life and suddenly you have a voice and it pisses people off. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. They're used to you being compliant. Absolutely. And oh, and, full compliance, you mean? And suddenly. Now you're standing up for yourself. You're standing up for yourself and people are like. Aren't you a bitch? And you're so angry. Yeah. And suddenly, like, yeah. Yep. When Bingo. It, when it, and so, don't gaslight your dog. Nope. Like, people gaslight humans exactly. who suddenly find their voice. Exactly. Like, they're they're coming out of their shell. They're, that's right. They're gaining their confidence. And that's what we want. That's what we want. Yeah. We want to be, we want to be that partner that helps them get through this. Mm-hmm. And as you can probably now get through these two parts that we thought was going to be one part and they've both been over one hour. We really thought. This is almost an hour and a half one. We really thought this whole thing was going to be just three. Like, like two or three episodes. Like th- two or three. three. That was episodes. it. Three episodes. We're five in. Sorry. But I do think that. Five long ones in. I like the way this one went because I think that when we can make examples in the human world, it's going to help people grab on to what they really need to do for their dogs and give them analogies and examples that they can attach to and it not be something so third world mm-hmm. that it doesn't touch them. Yeah. And that's not to say that our dogs are human. We understand that they're not. But they're still an organism with their own brain and own but emotions they're pretty smart. and feelings. And they're very smart. Yeah. And we've, we have put you know a wild animal into a place they didn't ask to be in exactly so we're sort of the ones who need to be a little more empathetic and understanding and understanding and flexible uh-huh we need to bend our thoughts a little bit more um, and think about the welfare of the dogs that we have in our life mm-hmm. and see them as a gift and not just something you can go and pay money and get one in 15 minutes at, you know, a shelter. You know what I mean? But I, I think that this hopefully, I know for me, even though this study, I love what you brought to this. Because I think this allowed it to really open up way beyond just these like, you know, driving home these scientific terms and these scientific world I think that what you brought to it was really eye-opening. Even for me, it helped to open this up to a little bit bigger than what I've been studying. So thank you for that. Oh, no. Like, I, I got all the trauma in the world. I can help. Oh, geez. <laughs> Y'all, she didn't marry me. Who's going to help her with that trauma? I can help your... Jeez. Pretty, pretty, not to brag, but I'm pretty experienced. Oh, oh trauma. Trauma. Nice. <laughs> yeah, God. We've been together how long? Jeez. Ten and a half years. A lot. We're hanging in there. <laughs> I I hope you guys really got out of this what we put in because I feel like for me, even walking out of this pod lab um, with Myers, even though all that I know, you've helped me see clearer on some things with him. Mm-hmm. And I really want you guys to see that there is a lot that you can do for your dog and it's not so black and white. Uh, and, and there's a lot that's going to be put on you, and I hope that you're prepared for it. And if you're not, you know what? Don't feel guilty. If that dog is not the right dog for your home, do not feel guilty. Think about the welfare of the dog, and make sure that that dog gets to a place that it can be as successful in this life as possible. 
Or if you have the resources. Or if you have the resources. There are people who can help. Absolutely. And that's a great segue to say that we can help you. Uh, Zoom consults are available. Matter of fact, Zoom consults are all that are available for May. (laughs) So just to kind of, because this is going to be going out uh, just about the week before, Mm -hmm. I will be out of pocket for a little bit. Um, I'm going to be spayed. So uh, (laughs) I know that you guys love that shit right there. I'm going to have Brittany take a picture with me with a cone on. Uh, and we'll post it to Instagram, but yeah, I'm going to be, I'm, I'm having some major surgery, uh, but things are going to be great after that. I am going to be out as far as seeing clients, but I will be prepared for Zooms for at least the second half of May. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you guys need some help with uh, your dogs, with trauma, with anything that you're dealing with, please reach out. I am here to help you. This is such a passion for me, um, and I want to be here for you, and I want to give you the resources that you need to help you out. I appreciate, Britt, you being on with this because I think that with both of us having, you know, we both have dealt with trauma. You've dealt with a lot of trauma. I just think that it was really nice for for people to hear your side of things. And I know they appreciate the fact that you bring thoughts and questions that they're probably sitting there asking right before you ask it. Um, And I know that this can be a difficult thing to talk about. So, but you've hung in there with five episodes. And you hadn't even finished a whole bottle of Prosecco yet. No, I feel good about myself. So you've done good. Yeah. You've done good. Um, our coping skills are not the best. <laughs> we should probably <laughs> find other ways. <laughs> other ways to ground and anchor. Y'all, y'all. And who, alcohol. Y'all who do not drink, like, we respect you. Absolutely. Y'all who are dealing with addiction or anything like that, like, we respect you and uh, absolutely we, we do drink and no we recognize look i not a coping look no i the, said today i really wish i need to find a non-alcoholic wine because i really love the taste i just i don't need the alcohol effect i just really like the taste of smoky red bold heavy maybe someone out there wine. has one for you because the ones i've tried are i know everything i've tried is, is sweet and it's just like grape juice it's like grape juice i don't want that so if you have any recommendations please send it and we those, would love to hear those from of you us who have taken communion that's right we don't want that grape juice trauma over that that's like, right we don't need that either that's so, right like maybe give me something <laughs> i really do hope you guys um can Take care of yourself. Do something for yourself. I know that these last five weeks have been tough with our episode, and I know that we usually bring more laughter than we do. But And I didn't even bring out a dad joke because, you know, Britt just rolls her eyes at me. But look, the the, the last thing I'm going to say to you guys, you got anything else to say before I say my last thing and then say bye? I got nothing. I'm going to go finish my Prosecco. Awesome. I just want to say shout out to all those who want to know the opposite of in. Have a great week.